0: you're supposed to wear the blue dress when i wear this said bill mary replied i don't want to dress like twins anymore bill said we're not twins we're a trio recognize this quotes movie stay tuned to find out or check out the title of this episode of talking
1: pictures trivia Welcome to Talking Pictures Trivia, the podcast in which a group of geographically challenged friends explore movies through trivia as an excuse to keep their friendships alive. I'm one of these friends and today's host, Nick, and with me is- Tom. Additionally, joining us as guests this week are- Pat and Andy. Thanks for joining us. Pat has joined us for 11 episodes, including Bride of Frankenstein, the Third Man, and Nosferatu. Andy has joined us for five episodes, including Ex Machina, Coming to America, and Passengers. Pat and Andy still conveniently like movies. For those joining us for the first time, we start off each episode with a movie quiz as these pivotal questions will determine who earns today's trivia crown. In round one, each question is worth one point, And in round two, each question is worth two points. Then, once the fierce competition is over, we follow it up with our famous movie rant, Where Anything Goes. Tom, tell us about today's movie.
2: Today, we are continuing to explore movies that define a director by going back to 1975. Robert Altman releases his 11th film, Nashville. Altman is also known for MASH, Shortcuts, and Gosford Park. What is Nashville about? It's A little hard to say. Um, Normally this kind of plot summary thing is like the elevator pitch. I have absolutely no idea how one would give an elevator pitch for this movie. It's five days of different country music festivals surrounding a political rally for Hal Philip Walker's replacement party. Um, And during that time, we meet a number of country and folk stars, we meet somebody, some people who are ancillary to them, and we see how all of these people interact, combine with each other, overlap. It's really kind of about atmosphere. It's about seeing, like the scene, what it you know what it means to be celebrity and all that type of thing. Um, to describe the plot would take far too long because either you say it has no plot or it has so much plot that we can't really condense it into a little summary. Nick, if you had one word to describe Nashville, what would it be?
3: Country. Pat? Sprawling. Andy? Twangy.
2: And my word would be celebrity. It's time for question one. What is the motto of replacement party candidate, Hal Philip Walker? Locked in.
4: Locked in. Yeah, I think I just don't know so i guess locked in all right andy what do you have i have a memory of a red and blue bumper sticker that has words on it that i can't remember
2: all unfortunately
4: right. oh that's okay
2: uh nick what do you have drain the swamp all right
3: R- wrong candidate but uh <laughs> pat what do you have it's something i it's something about roots because i know they have like because his his the flag thing is like America with like a, the United States. And then it shows the roots going down in the South. And it's something like, like regrowing our roots or finding something about roots.
2: All right, I'll, I'll give Pat the points. It's new roots for the nation. Yeah, <clears throat> okay, very good. All right, so I s- start this year, bring in this question um, for the the kind of framing or the, the let's call it like the cause celeb of the film which is this kind of political rally as well as this invisible candidate who who has these sort of odd uh political positions and i was wondering what people thought of that um that spark for all of these festivals and all of this this energy
4: i like the politics aspect of it in that i i thought that part was pretty grounded uh and it was it, it, i i right the invisible candidate i i like that you know like Um, and his, uh, political stances are so weird and idiosyncratic, uh, like no lawyers, like you need (laughs) lawyers in government. They, they, they write
2: laws,
4: (laughs) but I, I I get the sentiment. And, And so I was trying to figure out, it's like, is this candidate Democrat, Republican? They talked about him winning a lot of primaries. And I was wondering about the primary for the replacement party. So I'm not sure about that.
1: So I thought the one thing that was going to weave this all together, I didn't think the uh, country music star was the one who's going to get shot. I actually thought they were going to lead to like uh, more of like that, that this unknown or like, I shouldn't say unknown. We all know who he is. We don't see that politician during this whole film. I thought that was going to be the assassination attempt. Mm -hmm. So they threw me off there. On that note, can anyone explain to me why she got shot? I, I have a reading of it.
2: Um, I haven't heard from Pat yet. If, if you want to jump in.
3: Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I think the candidate's great. <laughs> I think he's <laughs> hilarious. Tax I the churches. And, yeah. yeah. Tax, tax, the churches, no lawyers. Uh, the, the, the national the national anthem is but the national anthem is completely incomprehensible. <laughs> this is great. Yeah, if you ask a lawyer what time it is, he'll tell you how to make a watch, which is just such a great line because it sounds right. And then you think about it for two seconds and go, makes no sense. Yeah. At all.
2: It has the syntax of a political platitude without the semantics yeah. of a political platitude.
4: Like, I'm sure a lot of people know the words to the national anthem, at least the first yes. verse. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, that was like, yeah. a that. but it's just, but he says it, and you're like, yeah, you know what? You're right. It is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> it's the tone. It's the, yeah, tone. It's the tone. He yeah. says he's very, he's very confident, mm-hmm. um, which I, I thought he was, I, I, I thought that was just great. Um, I mean, I guess the the reading I had, I agree. I thought that they were, which I thought was kind of a weak ending. because I was like, well, it's a little weak to have him just show up and get shot, but and but I thought that was what they were going to do. Um, so ye, I was surprised when they shot, whatever her name was. Um, <laughs> is, it is it Bobby Jean? Is no, it Bobby Jean? No, but bo- uh, but yeah, it was Bobby Jean. And Connie one of the few names I remember great. was Haven Hamilton because he's mm-hmm. just great.
2: I mean, my my reading of it is is that you're kind of it's sort of uh it's sort of this kind of festering or energy for chaos uh, for uh celebrity has just sort of spilled over and it kind of at the end of it doesn't really make sense like we we end up getting another kind of dallas right you know dallas being kennedy um but it isn't It doesn't. There is no ideology there. It doesn't seem to be reason why this guy shoots her, and it's also like a country music star and not the politician. So it's like the wrong person gets shot in this kind of energy for celebrity, Um, and it it just doesn't mean anything. At the end, all of this chaos and this big event and a lot of this BS. I mean, there's just a lot of kind of BS that goes on in this this political machine, as we see, it just ends up not meaning anything. There's not a statement against politics. There's not a statement for politics. It just all kind of falls apart. And the only thing that's left is music which I think is the the one thing that the movie sort of handles without any kind of irony. I think the movie, with the exception of Hamlin's songs, Hamlin's songs are pretty stupid, but um, uh, uh, at least two of them are, are pretty stupid. But I think a lot of the music in this is appreciated. Uh, and it kind of ends on this lovely song, but, you know, um, a song that's kind of covering up a, a meaningless tragedy
3: yeah i guess i i said something similar but i i thought it was more that that the way that they treat celebrity is that that sort of pop, you know pop pop stars and and actual politicians and power sort of they start to just kind of merge in people's minds mm-hmm. because of how they're because it's the politicians are trying to just use the musicians to get themselves into power throughout the whole thing. And so they sort of merge together in people's in sort of how they see the world. And and yeah, that this guy's sort of just striking out in essentially random violence. Now, why he strikes out at anybody was more the question that I had. Now the only thing I mean there's there seems to be some suggestion that he might be shell-shocked a little bit, that he might have some sort of combat, you know, sort of psychological damage from combat. Cause I think he's wearing like a like a there's something on his arm that looks like <laughs> an army insignia or some sort of service. Signal. Yeah. So I think there's some sort of suggestion of that, but I'm not sure that's actually really there or not. Um, but I also wasn't sure whether it's because of the, the one guy who's actually not treated at all with any irony, the poor, the poor guy whose wife is dying um, yeah. that he feels that sort of, he's striking out against the culture because the, the niece is run yeah. off with this like I, I in with the music scene. I wasn't sure if that's what it was, why he was doing it. I wasn't sure why he shot anyone at all was more my question but
2: yeah I, I sort of like the randomness i i will say even though yeah it isn't really grounded in anything it also seems like he had the gun in the case the whole time it was sort yeah. of planning he, something he was planning oh, yeah. something it was, locked, yeah. it
4: was locked up he had he had like yeah the key around his neck and and,
2: and that case also has a picture of him on it which is an yeah. odd <laughs> an odd detail uh,
3: but even because yeah, I noticed. I, I thought something was up when the niece picked it up, and he was like, "No, don't touch that." Mm-hmm. And she was like, "I just wanted yes. to, to fiddle," and mm-hmm. he's like, "No, don't yeah. touch it." And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, "There's something weird. here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's something in that case." Mm-hmm. I wanted to go back and um, and
4: reparse what he, how he, what he said to his mom. I think he, who was on the phone, um, in the rooming house, and uh, you know, he 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 definitely deliberately. Uh, hid the the bad end to that conversation and kind of you know was hung up but said oh yeah i love you too mom but i i thought there might be some deeper meaning in a, a bit more of that conversation but i didn't get a chance to check it back out there's some some hints of uh the the anger within him or whatever it is
1: oh i thought you meant maybe it was a goodbye
4: <laughs> that too maybe yeah
2: i got the impression he was looking to say goodbye and she was just rambling on about nothing about like you're gonna get a parasite in the south that it was just, like this isn't the goodbye I want and then he hangs up the phone and stages the goodbye he wants right that, yeah. that type of thing um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's odd because he's actually uh, fairly sympathetic up to that point right he's actually pretty
0: good to the old man and um, helpful yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. it's time
3: for question two
2: who is the animal playing the
4: piano?
3: Locked in. Locked in.
1: Oh, no. Locked in.
4: All right,
2: Nick, what do you have?
1: I don't even remember where there was an animal playing the piano. I think it was a fox. A fox was playing the piano. All right. Andy, what do you have? close it was
4: a human playing but the human was named frog
2: and pat what do you have
1: yeah frog you don't belong in nashville and cut your hair
2: <laughs> very good oh trick right. question
1: that's pretty tricky for a one-pointer i don't know uh, yeah
2: okay very good and so frog does uh, frog was played by richard baskin who was the musical supervisor and a lot of co-writer and a co-writer on a lot of the songs so hmm. um that's who that's who that guy was and i brought this question forward to talk about the the music and um you know what you guys thought of it any any lasting impression
1: was it all original or are, like was anyone in this movie in the country scene I, I don't really don't all, know I'm not most
2: of he worked on that music most of the music you hear is was written by the people who are singing it so okay. Caradine wrote a, that uh, he wrote oh. two songs for it. Um, uh, Karen Black wrote, I think, three songs for it. Okay, um, interesting. Yeah, uh, or she wrote two songs for it. She wrote Memphis and Rolling Stone. Um, he helped out, but mostly it was Caradine was black, and then um, the woman who plays Barbara Jean, uh, Blakely, she wrote. It looks like four songs for it no uh i'm sorry five
4: yeah so lo- most
2: of the people who were performing the songs actually wrote
4: them yeah i like that obviously they were performing i mean um i'll, I'll try to keep this a bit short but uh i'm a musician an amateur musician but I've, I've played a lot of music and i'm a former country music uh lover turned kind of hater <laughs> <laughs> So growing up, uh, my mom listened to country music almost exclusively. Uh, that was the radio station, WPOC 93.1, Baltimore. So uh, I went to many a country music festival because we, we bonded over that. So I that scene, I get it. I've, I've been there, um, not in the 70s, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, the tangent I was gonna make was in, in Disney movies, there was a, a time in the past earlier on where the the actors and the singers were always different people um but i think that later disney really bought into the authenticity that comes with having this the same person do both parts and i mean in in a live action movie it's obviously helpful you know just to make it work but i think that on the authentic the authenticity is really there um i really liked it was my favorite part of the movie where all the performances even though it reminded me of the, the other thing about my falling out with country music is that I very much dislike the Nashville, um, the, uh, the seat of power of country music that is the Nashville mega business scene. Mm-hmm. And this movie was a lot about that, you know, in some ways. So, uh, but, but I really liked, um, I guess it's, yeah, Barbara Jean's last song right before she got killed. And it was mm-hmm. a very poignant song. Um, but at the beginning with Frog, I'm like, why in the world are you trying to record in the studio with like 20 musicians playing simultaneously? You can edit this thing. You don't all have to play at once. I mean, I know I get I get the synergy that comes with uh, with a bit of um, you know not mixing it and just having everybody perform together. But that that was a big ensemble for for a song to to record all at the same time. No wonder they had to keep restarting it. It's like any little mistake. Um, but uh, but but uh, the 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 business aspect of the the music scene, but the the music itself, I thought was really well performed. Nobody was a really bad performer. Everybody was very good, except for the person that was supposed to be a bad performer. Yeah. She was yeah, really I was gonna say, except for her. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she was
3: so bad. It was great.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, classically bad. I mean, it's it would be hard for most people to purposefully sing that badly. <laughs> So it's that's an exceptional performance in and it itself.
2: Yeah, she apparently was
3: actually that bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's even center. better.
2: Yeah, it, it is. It's yeah. true
3: though. It is hard to sound that bad convincingly, mm. that bad because people would sing bad, and it's just they mm. sound you know like, but they have to kind of force themselves almost. Mm. It was so bad. It's mm. just like the tone of it. I love the hand gestures. They're like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> she wanted to be a star, man. She yeah. really wanted it. Yeah. I will tell you though, that her performance is quite memorable and not from a male chauvinistic way. I felt really bad for her. Like it was really she thought this was her break, and she's being humiliated. And then on top of it, they kind of degrade her at the end or make herself a great so that she would have an opportunity to sing at a big event. I, I thought that was a very sad part of this movie.
2: I, I like how that scene, her scene where she's singing. Uh, and stripping is intercut with with Carradine's Tom singing I'm Easy um, and how those those two scenes kind of work together um uh, mm-hmm. because her yeah her scene it, it is very hard to watch I think I skipped over yeah it, the second time. it is
1: hard it is hard yeah. to watch I mean it was my first time but I just felt bad for her you know yeah. like it wasn't you know it's
2: hard to, yeah and it's that, that kind of abusive thing and then it's the the scene with Tom singing I'm Easy that was phenomenal um with with all of the with all of the women thinking that they're talking about him that he's talking oh, yeah. about her yeah <laughs> i think there's there's
3: four of them right who yeah, are four. at least, at least there's three, three. There's right four yeah. yeah because there's there's the wife the the niece the yeah. uh the reporter and the um Mm-hmm. Mary
1: the, the other wife yeah the other <laughs> the
3: wife. clearly Mary the, the clearly Peter Paul and Mary knockoff yeah.
2: yeah yeah it was actually I think it was Caradine's actual girlfriend at the time of of this but uh yeah that that scene is phenomenal I think that song won an Oscar for best original song um mm. for, a song for this but I, I think the whole thing though, I mean he's it's it's a great performance from him but um you know I think the whole thing is sold from um from what's her name uh from lily tomlin we like the whole the whole performance is basically you're watching a woman decide if she's going to cheat on her her husband and by the end of it's like yeah i'm going to cheat on my husband you know that's that whole scene is kind of to a certain degree about that (laughs) yeah yeah um
3: can can we haven't talked about a Haven Hamilton's song? Yes, Haven, talk Haven, about Haven Hamilton. Haven, uh, Hamilton his so bicentennial
2: good. is wonderful.
3: The bicentennial song. <laughs> so again, it's like four in the morning, and my wife was like, when I, later on she woke up, she goes, she goes, yeah, I heard you like shortling at like <laughs> <laughs> so four
2: We must be doing, doing something, something right.
3: right <laughs> And, and to your point tom it's like my my country knowledge is purely academic i did actually i i actually do have a reasonably good country music knowledge because it was the when i was in high school this is my this is gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna sound so cool we i did academic decathlon mm-hmm. and the topic Ooh. one of the years was country music so i studied quite a bit of country dig music. deep ah so i was, was thinking back to that it's a big back to all my those days but i so i have an appreciation for country music even if i i I don't listen to it um but uh, those songs just cracked me up and then the the other one i love was the like i there's three reasons i have to leave and their names are like bobby (laughs) cheated laura whatever it was i'm like this is so great because it's so stupid i mean those songs are hilariously bad and crowd pleasers though crowd pleasers and yet, they are not there, and clearly they're parodies. The other songs were more or less pretty. I, I thought pretty. Yeah, those are clearly parodies, but they're just over parody. Like you could see that song mm. being made. You absolutely could see that song. A lot of it.
4: country music is self-parody it, 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 unintentionally, anyway. So. Yeah. <laughs> Um,
3: but that 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 character i loved him yeah i absolutely loved him and especially this is the and i don't know hopefully this isn't gonna step on a question but the flowers in her uh hospital room that they have the giant the floral arrangements of the horseshoe with the H in it which i thought was funny <laughs> and then they show a second later though they move the camera and there's two of them <laughs>
4: <laughs> one was even bigger than the other one
3: was gigantic. in case someone takes a
1: picture from a different angle you know, I it I it sure covered. that's
3: why it was so funny i yeah. just loved it and you're right that's probably why nick because he wants to yeah
4: yeah exactly yeah it's another huge cart of
3: flowers has to take the second elevator yeah that just absolutely cracked me up so i i did like the music um thought it was quite fun
2: all right, at the end of round one, we have Pat with two points, Andy right behind with one, and Nick with zero. Stay tuned for round two after a word from our sponsors. Hello, and man. welcome back, to, welcome B-side back to, B-side. to B-Side. Finally, it b B-B-B-B-B-B. Today we're going to be talking about Close Encounters of the Third Kind. We're going to be discussing the famous W.F. Murnau film from 1927, Sunrise, the Icelandic movie from 2015, Rams. Juzo Itami's 1985 picture, Tam Popo. And today I'm going to be talking about
0: a good old film that we just covered, and this is 1984's Ghostbusters. Talking Pictures Trivia B side, wherever you listen to Talking Pictures Trivia.
1: And we're back. We're at the critical point of our episode where we ask the guests a key question. If you could write your own sequel for Nashville, what would be the plot?
3: So it will be, it's going to be Nashville 2, of course, but I couldn't think of any pun off of 2, but it's gonna be, cause they were all, they're all like drifters. So I figured this one's gonna be called Nashville 2, Tokyo drifters, <laughs> they're, they're, going to go, they're going to go to Tokyo. Oh, th- we are actually going overseas. Oh, going okay, to I Tokyo. wasn't sure. Oh no 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 no! We're gonna go to Tokyo, and they are going to, uh, they're gonna bring. It's going to be uh, President whatever Hal, whatever his name was Walker. Um, <laughs> oh, okay, he, yes. he's gonna he's gonna become president, and he's gonna go and do a goodwill tour to Japan, and he's going to bring all the country music stars with him. That is going to be that is going to be the sequel of Nashville to Tokyo Drifters. <laughs>
4: excellent yeah so i think in uh in this next national movie i don't really have a title um this movie centers around uh, i didn't know her name in the movie because i didn't quite catch it but her name is albuquerque uh who is the uh singer at the very end and who's been desperately trying to to find her way into her performance the whole movie but we find out that she's janice joplin's daughter because oh. of her soulful music but mm-hmm. she becomes essentially like the first lady of the replacement party and really deep into <laughs> yeah. the to the replacement politics while having a you know this uh, great soulful voice
1: is she Very the beacon good. that gets him the presidency
4: oh yeah yeah no mm-hmm. more lawyers
1: <laughs> <laughs> if they go to
2: tokyo instead of country music can it be all j-pop can it just be a five-day j-pop festival
3: (laughs) i don't know actually this might be even better the fact that it's still called nashville too though but it's about (laughs) (laughs) j-pop see i thought they were going to convert the country to country music you know like it was just going to have its own vibe there what if we do k-pop country music mashups it's just like oh great
2: it's a real nightmare it's
4: a horror film now It's a deep cut, but uh, I really love the movie *Sneakers*, mm-hmm. which is uh, kind of about spies and the NSA and encryption and stuff. But at one scene that I really like in it, these uh, uh, they're trying to get information from this guy, and they're in a they're in a dim sum bar where there's a cover band that well, they're Asian. I don't know if they're Japanese, but they're singing uh, *Bad Bad Leroy Brown*. Mm-hmm. Uh, this Asian cover band. So I, I, I think that could have a place in uh, Nashville too.
1: Tokyo trip. <laughs> I might be mixing the two plots together, but maybe Albuquerque is the ambassador from the US to Tokyo. There you go. Ah. He's starting the drift. She's Mm -hmm. starting it.
2: Very good. There actually was a sequel planned originally uh, that was going to take place 12 years later with Lily Tomlin's character running for office. and I think her husband becomes obsessed with Barbara Jean or a Barbara Jean impersonator,
0: but it never got made.
3: Oh, darn. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds
0: like a winner. It's time for question three.
2: What two actors played themselves in
3: this film? Oh, I know one of them. Do we get one point? If we get one? Sure. That sounds good. Oh, who's the other one?
1: I'm not going to know. It locks in. I had to look at outside sources, so I will lock in and not use those. (laughs)
4: Uh, Locked in.
1: All right. Andy, what do you have?
4: Well, I only know one, and it's Elliot Gould, who I I love from the the Ocean
1: series.
2: Mm -hmm. All right. Nick, what do
1: you have? It is not fair for me to say any names because I was generally curious and had to look it up. So
3: I'll just not say anything. I'll abstain. Okay. And Pat, what do you have? Yeah, I knew Elliot Gould, but I didn't know the other one. It's a woman, I think, but mm-hmm. I know Elliot Gould.
2: All right. It was uh, Elliot Gould and Julie Christie. Julie Christie is the one who I still um, don't know who that is. <laughs> meets. She was. She won an Oscar. A little before this but she was in altman's film mccabe and mrs miller she's actually mrs miller in that and um
4: they talk about how she won an yeah,
2: board, it's right? yeah yeah like she won an oscar
3: i'm serious yeah. she won an Oscar. i
2: don't remember what movie it was for yeah i hope you tell your people about the great film studios here at nashville <laughs> yeah he is such like the the like platonic archetype of an a-hole, isn't he, <laughs> Hamlin? He he was my favorite. But anyway, I so I brought this question up to bring up the pretty obvious theme, a the thing we touched on, but not directly, of um of celebrity and how that's functioning. Uh celebrity was my word to describe this movie. And well, maybe be pretty obvious that that's a central theme. I was wondering what people people thought of it.
4: One uh really direct uh version of how that showed is when they're at the picnic i guess um at uh hamilton's yeah hamlin hamlin's Mm -hmm. uh like uh like log cabin mansion where it is but um they uh yeah elliot gold comes over and they they have to get him back over because they didn't realize who he was when they first met him and so they have to like kind of reintroduce themselves to him with the appropriate amount of uh of celebrity uh fandom.
3: Yeah, because fawning, now they finally yeah. they know who he is. Because with, right. with the great line of the I I was I was shaking hands with him like he was someone who walks on the street. He does walk <laughs> on the street. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah.
2: I think it's Hamilton, Haven Hamilton. We've been Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um yeah, the the I mean the celebrity aspect is is pretty obvious. I I think what's interesting about um about Nashville as the setting for it is that Nashville is not it's not like the celebrity capital in the way Los Angeles or New York is, or even the way DC is. DC is like you, know, like the celebrity center of them all that it, it is uh, you know even it's even if it's the moneymaker of country music, it still is sort of a second fiddle city to like Los Angeles. Um, and you could see that in like the way they treat these people
1: yeah but it's also the mecca of country so those who are celebrity from country music Mm -hmm. are gods there's a big dichotomy between the haves and the have-nots the people who are trying to get mic time at a loud race (laughs) uh, Mm -hmm. which was kind of crazy that was the albuquerque (laughs) character yeah trying to sing her heart out Mm -hmm. while these cars are ripping by (laughs) You know, versus the amount of flowers, you know, Barbara Jean's getting in the hospital, and you know, it just, just there really is that have and have nots within the country scene.
3: There's also which, which I think is really interesting, are the people who aren't even trying to these are the group the literal groupies sort of a thing because they're not trying to actually they're not trying to become country music stars they just wanted to hang out with the country music <laughs> stars um like the niece who's just trying to sleep with them or my favorite my other favorite character if if, if Hamilton is my favorite my second favorite is that the reporter from
4: <laughs> uh
3: huh from the BBC. Yeah, from the BBC, which I don't think she's from the BBC, but I'm pretty sure she's not. Um, But I do, I love that character. And she's, you know, because you even see, because she's claimed she's there to be like, I want to get to the heart of the American people. (laughs) And yet repeatedly, she's having a conversation with somebody who's actually like sharing something meaningful. She runs off. And even with the Elliot Gould one, like she's talking to Hamilton's son and he's kind of sharing this like song and this, this kind of, and she goes, that's Elliot Gould, and she gets up and runs over <laughs> to go talk to Elliot Gould.
1: Also at the end when they're listening to uh, Tom Frank play his song she's like talking to the driver who is a wealth of knowledge of everything that's going on with these people. And she just pretends like he doesn't even exist.
3: Because she says she she makes it a policy that she doesn't talk to the help.
1: Yes, yeah. yes, yes. He doesn't
3: exactly. gossip with the help.
2: And it's yes. I, I like that scene too, because like he is also kind of in a-hole, a little bit the driver, because he is just trying to like First of all, live vicariously. He's kind of like one of these groupies, even though he thinks he's in the in crowd. And he's willing to just kind of get more attention by selling their secrets a little bit to a degree. I mean, not selling, but giving them away for attention. And like, she just can't, she can't get over the idea of like, uh, uh, you know, that this person is the help, which is a very like British thing to think. And it's it's interesting too, because like, you know, Walker is the populist candidate and country music is probably more than anything, with possibly the exception of blues, like, the music of the people, right? Like, it's it's supposed to be the music that is at the bottom of the hierarchy or without hierarchy. And in this world, it's it's incredibly hierarchical. <laughs> um, you know, it's... Uh, uh, th- that's the whole thing. If, if this movie is a plot, it's, you know, look at these little hierarchies that, that kind of rise up everywhere in this world. Um, and it's funny how, like, Opal just doesn't get that at all uh
4: the microcosm uh or maybe the right word is like the fiefdom that is the country music scene there i especially liked the um seeing it through the eyes of all the different venues that they Mm -hmm. that they performed at the the weird like half it's not really a ship but it's as Mm -hmm. if the ship docked back up to a pavilion Mm -hmm. um and uh yeah the 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 kind of uh ish people lined up in the aisles at the grand old opry to 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 take one little snap of of the celebrities i mean it's in and um i mean sure maybe a lot of performances back then there was a different kind of social convention to the performance but but one of the things about country music is that in a lot of ways it's super rigid Mm okay
0: and
4: and they're they're are very similar uh, solos and all the songs. You have to have the right instruments. You can't you can't produce a song without the slide guitar. It's a country country song has to have slide slide guitar. Um, but even the way that the audience participated in the music with, if you notice at the Grand Old Opry, there was one little snapshot of it. It's like the audience would calmly wait and the song would start, and then the the, the leaders on the side would kind of like raise their hand, like now is the time to. To applaud for the the song that you realize that it is now it's so constrained actually but oh, but wow. people were so into it
2: mm-hmm. oh that's interesting i didn't realize it was that discipline a thing
4: i i i'm guessing a little bit on the impression of like the the audience signal to applaud mm-hmm. but but if you notice that the three or four songs like they do it religiously every single time like yeah. uh like two or three bars into the song it's like oh now we know what the song is yeah mm-hmm. but but it, that little part it's like oh that even that is is orchestrated
2: and it's like because the way it's filmed it's filmed very almost messy right like you get the impression it's not like most musicals which have a sort of uh there's a clear box in which everything is happening it's here it's there's just all of the workers and the producers and the you know the people with the backstage passes are in the frame at one point um, you know, you get to kind of see everybody's opinion about the song as as it's transpiring, um, which is, I think, my favorite character. Uh, God, their names are hard to remember. A uh, 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 triplet, yeah. um, Michael Murphy's character, Triplet. John John
3: Triplet, which one? Yeah,
2: he was the political organizer in the Blues. Oh Stars.
4: yeah, yeah,
3: yeah.
2: I don't know. I loved his like his <laughs> his incredible sort of like disdain for this music even as he has to sell it but it is interesting like that, that kind of discipline doesn't really come forward in it I don't know if what you guys thought just because of how it's made
0: mm-hmm.
2: it's, it's just like a uh, the ensemble seems to be
0: everywhere in every shot it's time for question four
2: here we are a three point question I'll say Pat is three Nick is zero Andy is two but it's a three point question so it's anybody's gain uh, or it could be a tie. Um, here we go. <laughs> then there'll be anyone's game. <laughs> then it will be anyone's game, yes. What is the name of the last song of the film? I'll give you a hint. It's also the refrain of said song. Locked in?
3: Locked in. Yeah, I mean, I guess locked in. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> does, does
2: nobody know? <laughs>
3: I, I had a thought. I don't think I have an exact, but oh, I'm sorry, it's, it
2: was—it's been running through my head, so I thought that I was very yeah, I, mean, I to. <laughs> th- it's
3: I thought a good I question, it, but it was. Okay, who locked in first? Uh, I did. Well, yeah. I locked in last. No, but, uh, I locked in first. Nick, Nick locked in first. Okay. Was, um, Andy,
2: Pat. Okay, so Pat, what do you have?
3: It was something like, oh God, it was something like it doesn't bother me, but it wasn't. It doesn't bother me because that's way too. It's like it don't, it don't, it don't worry me don't worry me don't worry me andy what do you have
4: it was something about heartbreak but maybe that was just the emotion of the song
1: and nick what do you have something like it's all us now something now all right
2: it don't worry me it don't oh, worry me <laughs> <us
3: now. laughs> I was like, it wasn't like, it doesn't bother me It's all us now I was like, it's not it don't it don't bother me don't mm. sound right <laughs> like, Yeah, it
2: doesn't yeah, it, don't worry me It don't worry me, which is a, a, also Carradine so he also wrote that song for it um, and also, in, we first hear it do you know, remember where we first hear that song? We don't hear it in that
3: scene What's her, what's her name sings it? Um, the, the chick who keeps falling over she sings it at the end yeah oh is she oh okay i thought you meant that but
2: no but before then we actually in his hotel room he's playing his recording of it um mm. to marry while they're like sleeping together literally sleeping together at this point they post-coital sleeping so apparently this guy plays his own music to women while seducing them <laughs> Uh, but, it
1: seems to be it seems to be working for him so Yeah
2: he's very good. So I I didn't so we kind of covered the end a little bit though. I absolutely love that um that when she gets up there she actually is incredibly good singing. Uh Albuquerque um played by Jennifer yeah. Harris. Like she,
4: she I I called that actually. Mm. I was yeah, like she was gonna because be good. when yeah, yeah, when she wasn't uh when you couldn't hear a single note of her at the race. Yeah. I was like she's going to blast it out at the mm. end.
2: Yeah, Barbara Harris is, um, I think, three-time Golden Globe nominee and Oscar nominee right before this. But anyway, uh, uh, she's like a big Broadway actress in her day. But, um, so talk about her, talk about the characters. We actually never, haven't really touched on Tom or Leanne very deeply. Uh, I was wondering, we'll start with Tom, what people thought about
3: Tom? yeah he's he's a little sleazy but
1: <laughs> but he's also kind of fairly one-dimensional right like he's pretty well he's he's
3: desperate for clearly for attention from yeah. women because like mm-hmm. i mean even the fa- like again the scene that's great with him is after he's slept again i can't i to your point Dom, i cannot remember these people's names uh, uh the, Lee, the,
2: lily hollman's character
3: yeah what is her name leanne leanne so after mm-hmm. he slept with leanne and she's basically like Okay, thanks for the good time. I'm going to leave now. And he's like, why don't you stay? You should stay. You should stay. You should stay. And she won't stay. And he's like, okay, I'm going to call up my ex while you're here to get <laughs> like, it basically is like, he's clearly trying oh. to like get her to trigger her. So she'll stay. And it'll le- even if it's just like, he just wants a fight. He just wants attention. Mm-hmm. He wants anything that he can get from her. Even if it's she'll fight or she'll stay. or She'll do mm-hmm. something that she just ignores him and walks out <laughs> the door. Or she had a place to go home to. She had a family and a
4: and a husband to just return to, and she could just drop him. And he's like, "Well, Maia,
3: I have somebody." You don't no, know anybody. He was, yeah, <laughs> he was he he was interesting. She, I mean, she's a very interesting character. It's because you said she was the one they were going to make the sequel of.
2: She was going to be more. So it's Lenny. I, I I I miss it, her name, but she was going to be more of the focus. Um, she had not been a film big film actor at this point. She was a comedian and a television actor. And also a big Broadway actor, and she actually had a a pretty successful one woman show that her her wife Jane Wagner wrote. Um, uh, but this movie kind of launched her, and she became much of a bigger star after this. And so she was going to be, she was going to be the focus of the sequel, supposedly.
3: Yeah, yeah as a character, she's interesting because, yeah, she's one of the more. I mean, at least in the beginning, she's certainly one of the more sympathetic da- I mean again she's not even in the end she's a very she's more of the sympathetic sort of down to earth one mm-hmm. um you sort of get the impression that she's less interested in the the celebrity aspect of it for most mm-hmm. of the film and even I think at the end I don't think she's necessarily unsympathetic uh,
0: mm-hmm.
2: but yeah she's just it's still she's still drawn to it there's still something about it that is um that's exciting for her uh and other characters we talk about talk. Uh, my, my, I think my favorite was Opal. Um, yeah, Madeline Madeline Chaplin, Charlie Chaplin's daughter. Um, and something oh, really, yeah, uh, and o- Ona O'Neill. Uh,
3: yeah, she's, she's she's Eugene O'Neill's granddaughter. Yeah,
2: <laughs> Weird. yeah, she's uh, Eugene I, O'Neill's
3: daughter married Charlie Chaplin very late in life, and mm-hmm. not to Eugene O'Neill's. Uh, he was not happy with that decision, yeah, You're not a fan. And this is
2: this is their oldest, either oldest child or oldest daughter, who was a dancer for a while before going into acting. And she actually plays her own grandmother in the uh, Chaplin biopic. Um, But she, I I was texting with Pat about it. Uh, We were trying to figure out if she's actually a BBC reporter because she gets the name of the BBC.
3: That was the thing that triggered because I thought even when I was watching, I went. Something wrong, like if there's something wrong, <laughs> but she lady, said
4: British Broadcasting Company,
3: Did it's she British not say Broadcasting that? Corporation. Oh, it's not British Broadcasting <laughs> Company, it's British Broadcasting Corporation. Lived was there, so that was it that in the that. 70s? I was gonna it say, was, say, was yes. it that? It in- was, okay. it was, um, the 20s, yeah, it's been that, okay. so that's why it's but but part of me went, okay, well, clearly that's wrong, but I went, she. If she is British, she would know that that's wrong. So it felt a little. So I was like, you know, so I'm I'm not positive. So I wasn't positive whether whether the scriptwriter just got it wrong, Mm -hmm. or whether. That was meant to signal to you that no, she was not She is not with the actual BBC. She's a faker, a big yeah, faker. E- either way, you know, she's. Uh, I just thought because even when, like, you know, when she's like running off after Elliot Gould, and she's like, "It's Elliot Gould," <laughs> and then she goes like <laughs> trotting up, like she does it over and over and over again. She just runs away from everyone. She's what about right? when
1: she's like trotting through the junkyard and the school? The buses. rotting corpses of the cars.
3: Yellow the <laughs> the color of, the is the the
2: color so- of nightmare. Mares,
3: no, the black children and the white children, children. How many young children have nightmares about these <laughs> it's, it's, it's so Yeah. I don't know how you could laugh
4: at that. It's hilarious. Yeah. And I it's think she'll see a scene in my opinion, where yeah. she's doing the whole stick in the junkyard. And and then she she she's in French for a little bit, and then she <laughs>
3: goes back and she's like, no, this this mm-hmm. doesn't sound dark enough.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: and then there's the one dude who's like working there, and she's like, "Oh, how horribly embarrassing! I (laughs) thought no one was here." You thought no one was here and yet you're recording it Supposedly for a documentary, which everyone
2: will hear Yeah, I was like, uh, well, my, my children are deaf Oh, how terrible Oh, you should meet them, they're very nice No, I couldn't, it's just too sad I know <laughs> <Unbelievable>. <laughs> and I think my favorite part of her too was the uh, like The cars are piled up And I, I I think I saw a leg Sticking out from one
3: of them It's too horrible
0: It's time for
3: Movie rend. We haven't talked about Jeff Goldblum
0: though. Yes, let's talk about Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. Was, do do
3: you want to hear the Jeff Goldblum question? Yes. Oh,
2: yes. What is the first magic trick we see Jeff Goldblum's character perform? The salt, baby. It's not yep. the salt. Is it the
3: salt? I thought he yeah, makes he, a. He makes he makes a um. Drink a, a,
2: appear. But that's I later. He makes a, I thought
3: he makes a napkin disappear before the salt. Does he?
2: I thought it was I thought the, the
3: napkin was the napkin was part of the salt. I thought,
2: I thought he co- like covers it.
3: Oh, I thought he made a napkin disappear earlier. Like when he gets on, when he's getting off of his awesome tricycle bike, <laughs> <laughs> and then he's getting off of that thing. I thought he made a napkin disappear. I think it was oh, part maybe. of the same trick.
1: May, may, well, maybe I, have, I missed it, yeah. Been. I'll be honest, I didn't there, actually rec- uh, recognize him, so.
3: Yeah, he's. has gotta be like, I I recognize him from, the, picture. him from mm-hmm. the pictures at the beginning when they are like, 24 actors in front of them. And, like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I was like, where is Jeff Goldblum in this? <laughs> like, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um.
2: Mm-hmm yeah he he's he is very funny he was I also,
4: 23
2: he's 23 oh, I mean, wow. Um
3: hilarious like that yeah. character is awesome i love him it's like burr, burr, this giant <laughs> tricycle bike. But he,
4: the giant tricycle that up. also sounds like a lawnmower <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't sound like a harley or something mm. it's, it sounds so yeah. much more anemic
2: she, somebody comments on it. Like, oh, bikes like that are popular now. Yeah, at with, one the, point. with the
3: sloped front. Uh, like, yeah. after watching uh, Easy, Rider, after Easy Rider. I think it's, it's Easy Rider, um, yeah. I think it's, what's his name? I, and I'm sure, if, I thought it was his wife for a while. I thought it was Hamilton's wife, but I don't think it's supposed to. Be
2: oh, him. no, it's not. No, it's his companion. It's the, oh, we got to talk about her and her Which Kennedy. Her. love. Yeah, yes. Kennedy
3: lady, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Um,
2: um, her name is uh, Lady Pearl. Barbara Baxley as Lady Pearl. I that. Yeah. Um, she's yeah, just drunk most of the film and. Is just- it- <laughs>
3: She's, she's supposed to be drunk of most movie. of the film. Yeah, I think she, I thought it was her. I thought it was she was the one who was talking about the, the heads ped's coming off the pit, like people getting like killed on those bikes. But I don't oh, know
2: maybe that. yeah. I thought it
3: she's was in. I, she oh yeah, there's to... a whole ward in the hospital for all yeah, the, the whole people,
4: ward, <laughs> the young boys yeah. uh, dying on the bikes. I'm like, like, motorcycles are dangerous, but that's a that's extreme.
2: Yeah, I also in the cars <laughs> screaming at him. Well, it was a hit. I know that. Um. <laughs> but yeah her the kennedy scene is hilarious that's those
4: those kennedy boys were different
2: yeah they just they didn't and they they they, they what did she call nixon does she call him no, an She, angle? Called the oh. she calls
3: the him that bastard. Oh, that
2: bastard! Yeah. yeah, and she knows the vote total. Like yeah, she knows God the vote total. She knows to <laughs> Yeah, and, and like
3: four five hundred and forty three thousand voted for that bastard.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, they wouldn't vote for a Catholic, you know? Yeah, no. Just a you know, Catholic. Oh, there was
2: another <laughs> question. I had another question. Was how many church, uh, churches oh. or church proceedings do you see in this movie?
3: Four, I think. Right. Yeah. Very good. Cause, yeah, there's a there's like two Protestant ones, one Catholic one, and then they show them in the hospital.
2: Yeah, the hospital one. Here we see Hamilton and his his whatever I don't think Baptist. Um, I don't know what that was supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, I actually yeah. loved yeah. how Great.
4: Hamilton was just in the choir. Mm. Just another I want choir
3: more Haven yeah. on that. I want more Haven on that one. <laughs>
2: that one. Yeah, I also does. He does like really love the scene. Like, he was an interesting character in the sense that he is he clearly sucks and like he i think the thing that nails it is that um once triplet talks to him about running for governor uh you know it's it's just kind of you could see his eyes bright up and you're like okay we're not supposed to like this guy um but he really does kind of like get the nashville scene and sort of love it and he i think he he knows good music even though he's pretty corny with with his own stuff um
4: he knows what sells probably you know
2: yeah he knows what sells uh yeah and i think he kind of he he sort of acts somewhat heroically at the end i mean he doesn't save the day or anything like that but you know when he kind of stands up and is like they can't do that to us somebody sing it's a good moment for him and i think this movie does have like good moments for people um you know even even though they everybody's like kind of myopic, I think maybe like Tom is the one who really doesn't get a kind of redemption moment. Even though to your point, Pat, he's just like perpetual or Andy. I forget who said it, but he's like perpetually lonely. This guy.
3: I I thought the one thing I was also going to say, which I think is interesting, is it, I like the fact that in that in the first few scenes, especially. There's sort of this sense of sort of random leveling these because to your mm-hmm. point tom you're talking about hierarchy mm-hmm. and i liked the fact that there's almost like because and that's what i thought the car i thought more was going to come from the car crash scene because the car crash scene is the one where it's like all the people just get thrown in together mm-hmm. like completely randomly sort of like the really wealthy and the not you know the high stars and the low stars and you see them there or at like the airports they all come together or at the hospital it's like everyone can kind of come together at certain locations where even the, the sort of the highest of the stars and the lowest of the low all sort of kind of rise to the same point. And it's sort of places like a car crash or a plane, you know, an airport or, mm-hmm. or hospitals or things like that. Those are places where we or even even just the concert as a whole, those are places where everyone sort of shows together. Um and, and sort of there's a lack of segregation in those particular places, which I thought was interesting.
2: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that is, it, it It does have a bit of kind of, to, to reference something we've talked about in an old episode, it does have a bit of a carnival spirit at those those points, right? You know, that, uh, especially the car wreck, I think it's more clear because everybody gets out of their car and they're like signing autographs or, or hanging out or, you know... Um, I think it's a good point. Yeah, that there is these a kind woman of,
4: was serving drinks off a tray. at once.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Opal was just interviewing people, going into cars and interviewing people. Um, but yeah, that is a There is there are these moments of leveling throughout it, uh, but they're only moments, right? They eventually just kind of dissolve back into this into the scene, which is, you know, fairly competitive, wow. very competitive.
3: But yeah, I would I would like to watch it again at some point because I'm sure there was stuff. There's a lot of stuff that goes on in like the backgrounds that I was noticing. There's just a lot of stuff that, mm. that you're just kind of missing as you kind of go through it. And there's sort of like little pieces of things that really like you pick up as you go through it. But I, it's not that I think it's like that there's like a hidden story or something behind mm. all these pieces. But I think there's just there's a lot of levels of, of the story that are just sort of dropped in and out. Mm. Um, the movie it reminded me of, although it's not a very good movie, was that movie Bobby. I don't know if you ever saw that one.
2: No, is it about...
3: It's about, it's about the assassination of Bobby Kennedy. And it's a similar kind of thing where it's like dozens and dozens. I'm assuming he took the same sort of general concept. And it's like probably like two dozen people. And they're all sort of, you know, awaiting the arrival of Bobby Kennedy. And then, of course, Bobby Kennedy gets shot. But it's all different people sort of around it. And they're all waiting for different things to happen. It's all like in the hotel, arrival. kind of. Yeah, right? it's all in the hotel. I think I saw that. It wasn't good. I remember it not being particularly good, but I do remember seeing it. Um, it came out in the last that...
4: uh, 10 years or something, right?
3: I think it came out when I was in college, so it has to have been mm. at least 15 years ago. Okay. Um, but I do remember that, and I remember thinking it was not very good. But I do, yeah. remember, do remember thinking that when it, seeing this movie, that it reminded me a lot of it.
4: Well, this kind of movie, the second rewatch will, would be a lot different for me, if I ever choose to do that, but because I'm worried, the first time around, I was worried that I was missing the meaning. And to, to, to watch it a second time, to just absorb it, kind of, absorb, absorb the atmosphere, absorb the, right, the chaos, the goings-on, and, and, um, and just be amused by it, would probably change it quite a bit. So that's, <clears throat> movies like that, you, you know, when you don't know what you're getting into ahead of time. You don't know quite what to make of it. Um, that's, it's 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 interesting to try to like, it's like, where are we? What What's happening? Am I missing it? What's going on? And so it, it brought me back the whole time. I'm thinking somebody worked, well, a lot of people worked really hard in this movie. There's a lot going on and it was probably very carefully orchestrated and the way it was fi- like, it was filmed really well. It seemed like to me, I mean, there's a huge cast. There's all these different sets there's so much that went into it. And it was, I kept thinking, why would they put all this effort in to say nothing?
2: Well, do you think they're saying nothing? Do you think there's no, I mean, it's, it's, it's a satire clearly. Right. right? So, I mean, a satire has an object almost by definition.
3: Yeah. I mean, the biggest, the biggest thing I, that I thought I was getting at is that there's a lot of And especially, this is what I noticed, especially with the deaf, when they introduce the deaf children, is that a lot of it is people talking without other people listening. Mm -hmm. It's just like, it's all over the place where, you know, I mean, literally with like the the van driving around and saying things, but even like the, like, I love you. I love you. When he's like, she's talking to him and sleeping Mm -hmm. there. It's just like, and it's just constantly people talking and talking and talking and talking and no one, the other person not listening to what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, it could
4: be a movie about no one paying attention
3: yeah. attention to each other That's mm-hmm. literally what I think it is about yeah. I think it, it is a huge chunk of an economy of attention paying yeah. no attention to each even even yeah. like when the scene when like the um, the, uh, the guy finds out that his wife has died and the, yeah. the the guy walks up to him and just starts babbling away like clearly mm-hmm. not listening to him like it's yeah. just it's constantly people talking and the other person not paying attention to a word they say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which in many ways, and that's the thing I thought was the most applicable to modern day is that there's Mm -hmm. just this constant sense of just people talking right past each other.
1: Yeah. Well, I mentioned this last week when we were going over our first impressions. You can still appreciate a film, even if it's not for you. (laughs) So I, I did appreciate how. Many people and the talent it took to interweave all these plot lines and characters and these scenes. Because imagine how many, like some of those scenes, I don't know if they did it in one take or you know that that's a lot to reset some of these scenes. So I give them a lot of credit for creating this, especially for the length of the film. Again, I still don't think I'm I'm signing up for a re- rewatch. I'm I'm pretty sure I could get more out of it. Maybe if it was an hour and a half film, but I'm not sitting down for another two hours and forty minutes to just kind of see who moved in a scene and who moved out of the scene.
2: Yeah. To get back to Pat's, to, you know, expand on Pat's point. It's um, do you, do you think they're not, I think that's great. I think they are kind of listening when people sing. I
3: mm-hmm. think that's, the that's true. They do you, listen when they sing. It's about yeah. The only time they listen.
2: Yeah. I think that's Rapply. Rapply. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the thing that makes celebrity is that if you're a good celebrity, people will listen to you. Right, because if you produce good music, people will listen. Um and you know and that, if you that's... don't,
3: then they want you to strip for them. Like yeah. literally that's like and that's why that seems so tragic because mm-hmm. it's so sad to watch.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no one no one will listen to her. They they will only look at her. Um, you know, or even Bud, the the
3: son, who's like Oh, that's a good point too. Yeah, I didn't even think mm-hmm. about him. No one listens to him until he's the one time he sings, and then another celebrity mm-hmm.
2: comes in. <laughs> he's <Yeah>. a Harvard <laughs>
3: liar. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, he needs a Harvard law degree, and he's it's what dad's always wanted him to do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he can run, run the business. Great,
2: lawyer. yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, that's what celebrity is,
1: it's the only time somebody will listen to you. I'd like to once again congratulate our winner of the week, Pat. Back on even, top, even <laughs> with uh, messing with the points, still took it down.
4: Uh, you deserve this one.
1: Well done. You can find more of our content wherever you listen to podcasts on our YouTube channel. Twitter at Talking Studios and our website, TalkingPicturesTrivia.com. We're extremely grateful to all those who subscribe, like, follow, and leave a review. Is this your favorite Jeff Goldblum film? Why or why not? <laughs> Let us know on Twitter, TalkingPicturesTrivia at gmail.com, or give us a call at 201-467-8679. Thanks again, Pat and Andy, for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. Thanks,
3: guys. Thanks for having me.
2: All right, you could find me on Twitter at ThomasLayman15. Uh, And we did have a B-side come out or is coming out. I'm not entirely sure of the schedule.
1: Um, And yeah, check that out. I can also be found on Twitter at The Nicknamed. Join us next time as we quiz on a new release, Pixar's Turning Red from 2022. Stay tuned for our first impressions of this film. Ding, 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 ding.
0: Next week, we'll be discussing Pixar's latest movie, Turning Red. Tom, how was your watch? Well, this is first watch for me because this movie just came
2: out. It was, it was fine. I, I think I maybe struggled with this more than other people in, in this conversation. It's a very, very energetic and very busy movie. And I found that kind of level of energy to, to be somewhat tiring after a while. What I liked about it, though, was the how much the panda was able to represent the, kind of the red panda that the the child transforms into. And that actually more than the child transforms into a few people transform into pandas in this movie. And that it kind of works like a, a floating symbol of, of a variety of things, of, of growing up, of um, of literally puberty at one point, of also a sort of heritage that you are given and sometimes uh forced on (laughs) like a heritage that's forced upon you and i think that was probably the the aspect of the movie that i liked the most the way that kind of symbol was able to, to take on different forms chris how about you
4: this was my first watch, too, because
3: like you said, it's a brand new movie. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to go opposite. I actually like the frenetic pace of it because it really felt like it was capturing all the changes that occur as you're going from 13
4: to 14 to 15 in that adolescent psych- section. And I really I kind of dug the anime inspired animation with the starry eyes and things like that. It, it felt like an old 2000 Sailor Moon 90s Sailor Moon kind of thing Uh, and I don't know I just really enjoyed it I I liked all the things that you mentioned about the panda and how it kind of represented different things for different people of different generations but uh, overall I thought it was really good I'm always I'm always way up for a for a Pixar movie though so that was an easy sell what about you Rachel so we just watched this I guess the day it came out um, and we watched it for family movie night Um, but I was a bit confused of what platform it was on um, so I searched for it a couple times on Netflix and was very disappointed when I couldn't find it and thought I had the date wrong. Uh, and as my daughter walked through the living room and she stared and watched me and asked what I was looking for. And I told her and asked why I was looking for it in Netflix. She eventually pointed out it was on Disney. Uh, I know it's a Pixar movie. I know Disney has Pixar. I don't know why I was looking at Netflix. Um, but once we got there and we watched it, Uh, I really enjoyed it. It was a great coming-of-age story, um, and I
3: highly recommend it for your family movie night. Uh, Nora, what did you think? Um, I had a very similar watch experience. Uh, We did it for family movie night with our three girls. And uh, I also liked kind of the fast pace. I thought it was like, definitely made it stand out from other Pixar movies. But as much, I also love pretty much all Pixar movies. But they do, there's like a certain style and they follow, like there's a certain pace and a certain, like this one just kind of was different, which was nice because I watch a lot of them and I watch them over and over again because I have little kids and that's how that works. So it's like nice to have something that's like a good change of pace. Uh, And I, I mean, watching it with three daughters, like I really very much enjoyed the whole like mothers and daughters, like uh, a lot of the, like sometimes there's arguing and they're, you know, like. All of that kind of tension, but then you still love and care about each other, and will do mean anything for them. Kind of like all of that. I feel like it balanced humor and like sentiment uh, very well. What did you think, Andy? I
4: thought it was uh, particularly fun watching it with our our kids, and our oldest daughter is about to turn eleven, so she's a little bit under the uh, the target panda age here, but uh, <laughs> approaching approaching panda and um, <laughs> and uh, so so getting a glimpse and and we had just hosted a uh, birthday party for our uh, nine-year-old, so uh, that kind of crazy friend uh, energy of the girls chattering is uh, was really familiar. So I, I and I really like the um, yeah the QDIs as as our kids call them, but but the anime style I thought was really fun. Um, so I had a I had a great fun time. Um, I'm a huge sucker for the sentiment and the um, the really like deep uh, emotional stakes of some of the other Pixar movies, um, like Inside Out. I mean, I think Inside Out is like a work of uh, psychological genius. I mean, it's amazing. This doesn't have that kind of element of breakthrough quality for me, but, you know, uh, studio can't do that every single time. So, um, but, but managed to find a lot of, a lot of fun stuff and a bit of a, a deeper meaning even though it's not, it's not quite as deep. What about you, KJ? Yeah.
0: As Rachel mentioned, we did this for family movie night, which was super fun. Um, Our daughters were super excited to watch it. Our youngest daughter's in eighth grade, perfect fit. Um, She couldn't keep her eyes off the movie. Um, One of the fun things for me was every time the dad in the movie did something I'll say impressive, did something impressive. The girls turned and pointed to me. Oh, he ate a donut just like you would eat a donut 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 oh, yeah. <laughs> donut. Yeah. Um, but Nora and Andy, side story. We used to watch Star Wars movies together and we watched Caravan of Courage, which is an Ewok movie. And your daughter uh, was there to watch. And all the adults, uh, this thing, we were rolling our eyes. It was it's I don't know if you guys have seen Caravan of Courage audience, but it's a pretty tough watch. But at the end, Nora and Andy's daughter turned around and said, "That's the best panda movie I've ever seen." So I, we're gonna have to ask her. Now she's seen at least two panda movies. How do they compare? I don't know. <laughs> but um, really enjoyed the watch. Fun movie. Um, it is interesting that it was kind of anime-ish, um, especially Luca was also very anime-ish. But, um Turning Red is available on Disney Plus at the time of this recording and probably for as long as Disney Plus will exist. And we'll see you next week.